Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3, if you will. Let's open our uh, study from the Word of God. And I want Sam Atkins to get for me 1 Timothy 3.15. Read that for us as we turn to Hebrews chapter 3. We're drawing to a close on our uh, study of uh, God's house. And uh, so we want to tie in some final thoughts this morning uh, in this. Uh, I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, where the Bible says, uh, Wherefore, for this reason, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who has builded the house has more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. First Timothy 3.15, Sam Atkinson. The house of God is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now, by way of uh, refreshing, somebody give us our uh, five key words and the meanings of those words, or definition, our five key words of the house of God, or God's house. Someone like to do that for me? Uh, Cindy? House? And? And what? Okay, this is a physical. I want a little better definition. Well, uh, uh, okay, we can we can put that. That'll be good enough. Okay, then the household. Okay, is the people of God. Okay, good. Householder, right? which is the owner or the uh, ruler, okay, and the servant, okay, who is exactly that, and the steward who is, what is a steward? Manager, okay. in charge of all the what? And other things, okay. Okay, very good. Now, uh, a little more depth. <clears throat> In Matthew 16, when Jesus says <clears throat> to Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom of God. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What does that mean? What does that have to do with God's house? Let's see how many picked that one up. Dan Atherton. Okay, authority given, but, but uh, if I gave you the keys that I have in my pocket, would that give you an authority? No. Okay, so there's a little deeper meaning than that in there. And that has to do with our study. And I wanted to know if you, if you picked that up. Uh, Mark Hamilton. I'm not talking about the spiritual meaning. Run back first into what we're talking about, God's house. 
Bill says, we don't own the storehouse, but uh, God gives us authority. Uh, okay, you're missing the key factor that gives unlocks that, Sister Mayotte. Okay, we are so spiritual, we're missing the whole point. <laughs> you're all right, but we're missing the key. Brother Tarwater. Of who? Who are we? His stewards. Okay, the steward had the keys that locked up all the goodies. And he distributed these as he managed the house to run the entire estate. He had the ability, and uh, we know human nature, people will steal everything that's not nailed down, don't we? Oh, yes, they will, yes. And so uh, things have to be, there has to be some administration, there has to be some government. And so as stewards, the stewards of a rich man's estate ha had under his control keys, and so that came to be a badge of his authority. The man that had the keys was the dude that did the business, right? He that owns the gold makes the rules. Is that what it was? Okay. And so that's the golden rule. And so uh, he was trusted. He had these keys. And so this moves into a tremendous understanding as Jesus then begins to talk about the church of Jesus Christ, each of who every believer is a steward or a manager of the treasures, the riches, the, the authority, the spiritual assets, the spiritual business, the management of spiritual affairs. And this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 16 when he says to Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom of God. Whatever you bind, God's going to bind in heaven. Whatever you loose is going to be loosed in heaven. Excellent. Okay. Uh, then, uh, is, there any, is there any added thought or question right at that point as to, as to stewards? In the scheme of things, as stewardship. Anybody have any thought or question that you don't, you're not clearly understanding? As we before we move into the, uh, this, Brother Rob Kennard. Yes, everything, uh, all the parables that are told in the New Testament. Jesus said, "The kingdom of God is as a man." He commits into his uh, servant, and he goes on a long journey. He's not even going to be there, and so any house has to be protected. Yes, all, in other words. All kinds of things are involved. He didn't just locking up the, the money or the food. He has under at his disposal money. Money has to, things have to be purchased. The business of the estate has to be done. He has to be able to buy and to sell, to make commitments. And so we have the parable, don't we, of the unjust steward. He was a crook. And, uh, and so he was dishonest. He was going to be fired. And so they said, come get the books in order. You're no longer going to be steward. So he goes out to all the people who had signed notes. And he said, I'm going to sign this note. I have the authority. I'm going to sign this note that your debt is paid and you owe $1,000. But if you give me uh, 200 right now, I'm going to settle the whole estate. And so they gave him 200 He signed it. And so he enriched himself in the concluding hours of his, uh, of his management. So they had money. They had authority. They could bind contracts. They could sign contracts. They, could, uh, they had uh, the entire protection of the household. All these things were in the hand of the household manager just as if the ruler or the owner of the house is there, but he wasn't there. And this was not his. He simply did this as a, as a, as a, as a trust, and that one day in the future he would have to give an account. Okay. Well, the reason you do that is because of the clergy mentality. See, we're taught that laymen are nothing. In other words, the, 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 Roman, the Roman mentality is, uh, is really strong, and uh, that somehow... Uh, ministers, they are uh, our priest class, and that they're the only ones that really have the authority to do any business in the kingdom of God. 
Now, there is a truth of oversight. Well, that's true. But uh, that comes out of a clergy mentality. There's a special class that can interpret the Scriptures. Uh, they're the only ones that can baptize anybody. They're the only ones that can minister the sacraments. Nobody else could do this because they're holy. And that's where that comes from, Brother uh, Brother Brown. Right. That makes a, con a complete difference in how you view yourself as a believer in church and the assembly. Right? For instance, uh, if you came to church uh, three times out of four and there's nobody preaching here, nobody's ministering, I just said, you know, where's, the, where's Brother Neville? I don't know. He's, I think you had to stay home tonight and watch TV. There was a good sports program on. Well, where's Brother Mitchell? Well, he's... Uh, He's, uh, he's been tired. He's down at uh, Wymas. He's fishing. <laughs> well, uh, where's Brother Mammon? Well, he, uh, he's really been uh, kind of busy lately, and so uh, he went over on the river. He's, uh, he's laying in the sands. <laughs> well, after a while, you'd say, uh, hmm, I don't think, uh, you know, God's going to get those guys for that. Well, they better, they better cut that out. God will get them. See, you have in your mind that somehow the preachers, those that, uh, that order services and are responsible for uh, the uh, actual physical service itself, that, that they're going to have to give an account. But that believers individually, they don't have to give an account. They can do whatever they want to do. They can just boogie. I have news for you. You can account. See, you have to give an account too. Everybody will give an account. See, this is the fearsome truth of stewardship. We're all going to give an account. And you're going to give an account just as much as I'm going to give an account. And you say, well, I, I got through. God, no lightning from heaven struck me. God doesn't always pay on Friday. See, that's the thing that you learn about the grace and the mercy of God. But he pays. He keeps good books. I don't want to get into that, okay? Let's move on, and we can come back to that. If that's a burning issue in you, well, then you come back to that before we get through. Luke chapter 12, I want to uh, get into the concluding thoughts of people of God as the stewards of life. Now, we've studied uh, stewards of, uh, of uh, wealth, as stewards of the gospel, as stewards of time, and I want to study this morning, if we could, uh, people of God as the stewards of life. Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 48. Uh, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, and you yourselves lack unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants. Whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching, verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to set down at meat and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or in the coming of the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Remember, we found out what the good man was. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who is then that faithful and wise steward, 
whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But, and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delays his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looks not for him, and at an hour when he's not aware, and will cut him in, in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, will be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. That's a real blow to eternal security. Okay. Let's uh, capture for a thought, and we're going to come back to that. Man uh, who uh, has dominion, and that's what we've been talking about in that passage of Scripture, man who has dominion as God's representative. I want someone over in this far section to get for me, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Brother Lee and uh, John, maybe you'd get, like to get for me uh, Psalms 8, verses 4 through 10. I need one more verse. Uh, Jerry Miller, uh, Genesis 9, chapter 1. We need to see that man has dominion as God's representative. This is very important that we begin to work this in in a final conclusion and a completion of the stewardship study and message. Genesis 1, 26 through 28 tells us that all we have, or more, all we are, would be a better terminology, we have received, and we are to view that as stewards. All that we are, we have received. We have received all that we are. Genesis 1, 26 28, Lee, Orient. Okay, what does it mean when it says that, uh, that man is created in the image of God? What does that mean? I have some real problems with that because uh, by, I find out that God's omnipotent and I can uh, barely get enough power to shave with. <laughs> uh, the scripture tells me that God is omnipresent and I have real problems getting out of bed. And when I get out of bed, there I am. The Bible tells me that God is omniscient He knows everything, and uh, I really have to labor over every lesson I teach and every sermon I preach. Long hours of work to dig the riches of God's revelation. I think we have some grave misunderstandings concerning what that's saying. Okay, let's go back to the description. What does it say? Okay, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. Then it goes on to say what that's going to be, doesn't it? What's it going to do, Lee? Can you interpret that for us? To have dominion. Okay. Well, it doesn't say that, but that's a part of it. 
That's for dominion, doesn't it? In other words, if we read it in the context, that's what it says that that's going to involve. In other words, uh, let's have Psalms 8, 4 through 10, and we're going to come up with, with uh, a discovery that will help you in, in, uh, when you're puzzling over that. Psalms 8, 4 through 10. What is man? You made him lower than the angels, crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and the beasts of the field, fowls of the air, fish of the sea. Okay, here we have a description of this dominion, Genesis 9-1. Here, this uh, after the flood, as man again is restored or given commission, tells him to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. Okay, if you will look closely, and I did a study on this one time because this was puzzling to me. I read all the commentaries and I couldn't, uh, I wasn't satisfied with what they're telling me. They talked about we're spirit and so we're spiritual creatures, but you know, man, I ain't spirit at all. I'm a, I'm a living flesh body, I'm inhabited by a spirit, but I'm not a spirit. But God is a spirit, okay? Then uh, they, they talked about uh, man's a triune creature, he's body, soul, and spirit, and so God's a trinity, and so man's a trinity. That didn't satisfy me. And uh, all kinds of other spiritual uh, 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 descriptions that would explain what God was talking about. And so I began to do some research under the Word, and it became simple. What God is saying is, let's create man as our representative. That's exactly what is said there and to perform our function upon the earth, which is dominion. And the mystery was solved in my mind. Okay, now we're to stewardship. Let's note this down then. As God puts man on earth, makes him a steward of the earth. That's what Adam was. He was a steward of the earth. Then we're responsible to improve what abilities and gifts we have God says to Adam, dress it and keep it. In other words, simply being over earth didn't, well, there was not an automatic flow, but there were things that Adam had to do, and his responsibility was to dress it and to guard it. Now, we have an allusion now into a spiritual realm that uh, Rob is talking about of this uh, uh, binding and loosing that we uh, understand. That's a part of that. And so there's an allusion to that, which perhaps we'll come back through later. Let's, let's uh, get Luke 12:48. I need somebody right here. Uh, would somebody get Luke 12:48 for me? Uh, Ron Stewart. Luke 12:48. Read that out loud for us. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Okay, now, we have man's position in God's creation. We're not going to go into the fall or, or at length into that, uh, but nevertheless, we have man's uh, position in creation. He's received from God a trust of dominion. He's to act as God's representative, and he's to function in this dominion, in God's stead, in God's place. 
over God's creation. Now, here we get down to the nitty-gritty. Here's where the rubber meets the road. We run into this great problem that we have that we still deal with today that the gospel has come to redeem man from this horrible curse and now we're running into this problem that we want to bring up again, this business of proprietorship. What is proprietorship? What do we say proprietorship is? What's the simple definition of it? Dave Burke. We own. This is mine. I can do with this what I want to do. You don't like that? Well, so what? Go blow your nose. I don't care if you don't like it. This is mine. It's ownership, isn't it? I own this. Okay, let's carry this for a moment in Genesis 11, 4. Somebody in this section right here? Dan Atherton, I need Genesis 3, 5. Uh, Bill Kimball, I need uh, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Brother uh, Kleppel, I need Romans 14, 7 and 8. Uh, Mark Hamilton, I need James 4, 13 through 16. Uh, Dwayne and Peter Davis, I need Proverbs 16, 9. Okay, Proverb, uh, uh, proprietorship is the greatest of sins. Proprietorship is the greatest of sins. This is what got us into trouble to begin with. Genesis 3, 5. All right, the devil sidled up to Eve and said, God knows that in the day that you eat the forbidden fruit, you'll be as gods knowing good and evil. He appealed to her, uh, her uh, self-interest, he appeals to something that's in man that naturally uh, tends to proprietorship. His temptation was her to violate that and to feel that uh, she could do what she wanted to do. And if she did, it would really secure this proprietorship. She wouldn't need God's guidance, direction, but she could function independently as a God. Okay, Genesis 11:4. Okay, here's Nimrod's crew, and said, uh, Let us build us a city and a tower, and make us a name, us a name, lest we be scattered upon the face of the earth. Right, what do you see in that that violates and, and is a spirit of proprietorship? What do you see in that? Analyze that for a moment. Anyone? Cindy. They're building themselves up as the most important. We don't have any problem with that, do we? <laughs> no, we don't. That's just our major problem. Okay. Second, Jeff. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. All right. Uh, and so uh, 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 what does that show us about them? Okay, which is what? Okay, they're saying this is ours. We can do what we want to do with that. Okay, excellent. And First John two fifteen through seventeen. 
Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life is not of God, but is of the world. Literally, what we're describing there is uh, pride of life is one facet of that, means that we are gods of our own lives. We are gods of our own lives. Are you picking that up? If you write right in, that's one of the greatest blessings that'll ever be. That's a revelation that'll bless you and give you understanding as you begin to deal with people and, and you work with people is the major problem in life is we're gods of our own lives. Don't tell me what to do. Now, we can do this under a very spiritual uh, uh, cover. See, we, we uh, uh, see, people come to me and said, you know, Pastor, God, God's leading me. The Lord's uh, he's leading me, and he's spoken to me, and uh, et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera. And now, they didn't really come for, a, for a counsel. They wanted you to stamp, rubber stamp, what their idea was. And so you, you uh, a pastor learns to be a skillful question asker, because you know their mind's already made up before they come to you anyway. And so your job is to uncover that self-will without saying, you know what? You, uh, uh, you blow on the whole thing. Well, they don't like that, see, because we like to be in charge of our own life. We don't like to anybody tell us we've blown it. We, we like to be just, we, you know, we're in charge, and uh, we have dignity. We, and so a pastor's job is to uncover that plot and let them see in clear perspective and say, okay, this is what's involved, and here's the clear, clear alternatives that you have. No? Okay. Let's, let's get a couple more before we come back to this. Romans 14, 7 and 8. No man lives to himself, no man dies to himself. This is spoken concerning a Christian. This is his perspective. And the Word of God says, we do not live to ourselves. In other words, our, our purpose in life is not what we want. It's not what we desire. For whether we live or whether we die, we are God's. And what really counts is, that what is it that God wants? Stewardship. James four thirteen through 16. Go to now, you that say, we'll go into such and such a city and we'll buy and sell and get gain. This is what I'm going to do. Okay? You don't have any assurance of what's tomorrow. Tomorrow does not belong to you. Tomorrow belongs to God. There is a life is a very transient thing. Transient. Okay? If the Lord will. Okay, you boast, gods of your own lives. If the Lord will. Okay, that's proprietorship. Okay, Proverbs sixteen nine. Man schemes constantly, he's running scams, but the Lord will help him if he'll open his heart. Okay, we, have we, uh, have we uh, triggered anything right there before we go on? Uh, Jill? This is a dem democracy, right? Amen. 
and uh, we can you can we can be every boy can be president we can be whatever we want to be if we'll just get a hold of our own bootstraps and uh, set a goal and we'll achieve it that old American free enterprise which isn't totally wrong but uh, but um, Americans have real problems with Christianity they really do because of this Jeff yeah devil has lots of jobs okay let's talk about the gifting process uh, uh, for a moment I want Genesis 215 over on my left again let's begin Genesis 215 Jerry Miller Genesis 4 2 uh, Joe Calloway and uh, Genesis 4 20 and 22 Is, are these the only guys that have Bibles over there you got a Bible there would you mind getting for us Genesis 4 20 and 22 okay uh, Abraham Lincoln made a uh, famous speech and uh, four score and 20 years ago our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal and so we have this uh, we have this misunderstanding uh, in America that everyone is equal well they're not equal they don't even have equal opportunity much less be equal there's uh, so much diversity sitting in this building this morning that uh, it, it's uh, it's like a it's like a great uh, chorus of uh, notes of different personalities that are here and we certainly are not equal nor did we make ourselves equal nor did we engineer ourselves to be equal there's no way man does this but there's this astounding thing in the scripture and we want to look at that this morning Genesis 2 15 okay made the man gifted him particularly for his task dress it and keep it then we want genesis uh four two abel was a keeper of sheep but cain was a tiller of the ground Dale, what's the peculiar gifts of a farmer? Yeah. He comes from out of the farm country. What? Okay, if you're going to be a farmer, you're going to have to have infinite patience. Now, very few people... Uh, can uh, can work as farmers some can but it's a gift you have to be able to be patient you put the seed in the ground and you work at it and uh, it goes in season Dale you have a comment okay but a farmer uh, is a, he's just a peculiar fellow he has the ability to be able to see that harvest from the minute that he starts and he patiently waits for it until it comes he sweats out the rains he sweats out the the wind and uh, he has a vision for that harvest but uh, most people in our society the reason that's falling by the wayside is they, they don't have that patience uh, there's a lot of other factors involved but they rather punch a clock at the end of eight hours 
hang it up, and then they can go watch TV or go fishing or whatever they want to do. See, they don't have that, that nature. Now, on the other hand, a keeper of the sheep, and we, we're, uh, I never thought about the, the, that some farmers uh, do keep livestock, but I was thinking in terms of a shepherd. A shepherd is a peculiar life. These guys can go out and live for months at a time, out away from their family, out away from anybody. They're just out there with sheep for their companions. Amen. And that takes a strange creature. Right? Okay, so we're talking about uh, uh, something that is within them that they themselves did not create. It came, it's a nature that they have. Now, we're going to come back to this in just a moment. I want one more scripture. Genesis 4, 20 and 22, Brother Louis. Genesis 4, 20 through 22. Yeah. Okay, here's uh, some interesting... Uh, Rundowns. It says, this fellow, they were such as dwell in tents. Now, why did that say that? Why did it say they were people that dwelled in tents? Does anybody have any idea? Dan? Okay, they were a nomadic people. They were, not, they were not permanent dwellers. This was their nature. They were wanderers. And the reason it said that is because most people built permanent facilities of some kind. Oldest history, way, way, way back. You'll find men built permanent dwelling, but these were different kinds of... Uh, then it says about the harp. Isn't it wonderful to, to, to be around a gifted musician? Does it ever make you green with envy? Does me. I would love to be it, but some people can, you know, they're, they're so gifted. Uh, uh, George Shields can play more instruments than I even know what the names are. There are people who have a natural gifting for or musical ability. You say, well, that's easy. Anybody can just take up and learn. I have news for you. <laughs> they, they can't. Now, some people have been able to function a little bit, but it's no gift, and every, it's a labor every, every note they play. But a gifted musician is a gifted musician. They're able to pick up an, an, an instrument they can play and learn, and thank God we have many of them that are in ministry of the church. Then there are people who are craftsmen. This is a peculiar gifting that they're artificers and brass and et cetera, et cetera. And Brother Jeff Brown is a, is a fantastic jewelry maker. If you don't know that, he makes beautiful jewelry. Uh, there are people who have gifts. Uh, years ago, I was trained as an electrician and uh, was very proficient in my trade. I went to work in uh, Reynolds Metals in Phoenix and I was in a department that, that was called Pyrometrics Department, but in that they had uh, not only uh, uh, electrical uh, uh, equipment which I worked on but they also had delicate instruments now there's a vast difference in a person who is able to be an electrician troubleshoot whose mind are very proficient there's a vast difference in a person who's an instrument worker now that takes a person who's a watchmaker and I used to try to repair those instruments I used to work at it I said well I'm, I'm going to pick up this trade I'm going to try to I, it's just not in my bag I can tell you that those little bitty gidgets and springs and, and little screws and all that. And, and you know, and, and, and my patience. See, I, I'm, I, my nature is not to patiently work with little bitty gidgets and keep it. I want to get the job done and go on to the next job. That's my nature. I'm an achiever. And I soon learned that I was not an instrument man. Very good electrician, but I was not an instrument man at all. All right, are you picking up what I'm talking about? Okay, in the gifting process, beloved, there is from God a natural ability that comes 
as a gift of God. This may not be developed. It may not be discovered. There are artists. We have artists here. Uh, Mary Atkinson is a tremendous artist. Maury Lewis is a, is a tremendous artist. Uh, June um, uh, Galati is a tremendous artist. These people have done work for the church and outlays and bulletin covers and, and various things and, uh, and a tremendous blessing to the church because they have an ability to outlay. Uh, my daughter, Karen Heimberg, very artistic, has a, a tremendous ability and, uh, and, and has tremendous talent in that. But everyone doesn't have that, as you soon discover. You try to do some, some printing sometime and you'll discover that that's a d definite gift. Can you say amen? Okay. And so, in the kingdom of God, we've got a key. Now, let's turn to Matthew 25, and we've got a key that's going to help us in great understanding and stewardship and give us some understanding of what we want to uh, learn this morning. We're not going to get through this, so I'm going to have to finish it next week, but that's all right. We're going we're gonna to touch this anyway. Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Now, here's the stewardship principle again. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability. And straightway took his journey. Then he that had received uh, the five talents went and traded with the same, made them other five talents. Likewise, he had received the two, he gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time... Uh, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that received five talents came brought of the five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I've, uh, un uh, I have uh, gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that received two talents came, said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto them, unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast sown and gather, gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou uh, oughtest uh, therefore to put my money to the exchangers and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury or interest. Take therefore the talent from him. Give it unto him which has ten talents. For every one that has shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that has not shall be taken away even that which he has, and cast you the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, in this uh, uh, we understand that a talent is about $29,000, and so we're not going to get into the money part of it. But the thing that we want to lock into is... Un, uh, the, uh, the, uh, you can forget the, it's, it's unfortunate that the English words talent and ability are so close together because it confuses your mind as you begin to think of it. If you'll just substitute money, uh, $29,000 every time you read that word talent, then it'll help you to understand what the Lord was getting at. And so we're talking about ability. We're talking about ability. And so as we read this, we understand that there are abilities and stewardship is given as a trust according to that ability and the accountability has to do with the gifts and ability. 
Okay, does that trigger any thought right there into where we're heading? Stewardship, we're not equals. We have different abilities, and our accounting has to do with that. Brother Dan Atherton. That's exactly it. Okay, this is where I'm aiming, and uh, we can't finish, and so I'll have to finish it next week. I don't want to go, I don't want to just confuse you. I want to really home on this, because the whole thing of stewardship of life is that we have to be what God has ordained that we're going to be. Now, how does that fit into the proprietorship? Let's kind of lock in on that, uh, 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 Jeff Brown. He says, that we who have received great talents, musical ability, ability with people, whatever it may be, we're in real trouble unless we've got our eyes on the kingdom. Dan? Gods of their own life, that's correct. An interesting sidelight of that, which uh, one day I'm going to preach on, is Adam said, God, it's the woman you gave me. And, and, and God didn't correct him. Okay, when, uh, when we... Uh, have you ever seen anybody that you really did want to be like? How I many? Let's see your hand. <laughs> have you uh, ever known anybody that you really became green-eyed that you could be like? have what they have, do what they do, stand in the place they stood and have the position. Sure, that's human nature. And so he says when we come into stewardship is when we bend our will to the will of God. I saw another hand here somewhere. Uh, Lyle? Many musicians, he says, use this gift for themselves and uh, they're going to use it in professorship. Almost all the stars in, in the Grand Ole Opry and all, the, all that establishment are, uh, used to be Christians. The gifts they have uh, come out of a grace that God gave them, yes. Being abused, uh, Brother Dave? Ooh, you're using my scripture for next week. <laughs> Very good. He says in First Peter, it says, As every man has received the gift, let him minister that gift. For stewards of life. Uh, Dan, you ought to yourself. Self, yes. Me, yes. This is the me generation. Uh, Mr. Kaler. The reason that this ministry has been successful is that to some degree we've been able to take out of, of uh, American Christians the nomadic, democratic Christian spirit and to show them they have a responsibility to the work of God that goes beyond their own interests. And as that, as that continues, the work will flourish and continue. If that diminishes and is lost, the work will fall apart. It'll be like our other churches. We'll become like other men. You cannot function a, uh, a ministry and aim it and have it, have it uh, accomplish uh, what is being accomplished without we develop people who either knowingly or unknowingly have come to grips with this right here, that we are stewards of life. We are not our own. We're going to come to grips. One more question, Bill. Uh, next week we're going to really come to grips with this in the conclusion. Yes. Yeah, because if you, if you really try to come to the heights of your gifts on your job, you get paid for that. But if it's in church, eh, who sees me? Nobody's... 
Right. How many of you were uh, nomads? You were wanderers that came through here bopping. Let me see your hands. We got lots of nomads that just happened to light here, and somebody got a hold of them. The Holy Ghost did a work. We're going to conclude this next week. The Lord bless you. This is, isn't this an interesting study? Amen. The Lord bless you.